0: was thinking about it in the last couple of weeks, how less than a year ago, I was floating down the amazing Colorado River, and uh, it was just such an incredible experience. Going through, we traversed almost the entire Grand Canyon, and we were in a wooden dory, a small wooden boat. It was a remarkable experience, and uh, it was a wonderful thing. And the truth is, is it seemed uh, So wonderful. But the second day, we came on some whitewater, and they called it uh, House Rock Rapids. And when we went into the whitewater, I noticed that the oar of the guy who was rowing in front of me broke. And I said to myself, that cannot be good. And in a heartbeat... It flipped the boat upside down, and we hit 50-degree water, and I was pulled down into a frenzied, bubbling vortex. And I know you're like, that's pretty dramatic, Jeff. You should have been there, all right? It was a dramatic experience. Now, I should back up and tell you that when we went on this trip, before we ever went out, we were staying at a hotel before we launched off on our first day to go through the Grand Canyon. And they, we met in a meeting room at the hotel, and they told us, and they repeated this in different ways. They kind of made it sound like it, it's very unlikely that it would happen, but it's possible your boat could go over, and you could be in the water. And they said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be scared because it will pull you in and pull you under but you need to just relax because your life preserver will pull you eventually to the surface. So don't fight it. Hold your breath. Relax. It will eventually pop you up. And every time they said it, I'm like, got it. No problem. Until <laughs> I was down in there. And you, when you're in it, folks, you have no idea whether you're up down, you don't know where the surface is, and it's just bubbling around you. You open your eyes, but you have no idea, and you feel like you're in a washing machine. You're just being thrown around like that, and it is scary. And I have to tell you, as soon as it happened, I went underwater. Of course, the first thing you want to do is take a deep breath because you had 50 degree water. You know how it feels it like, ah! like that. Well, you just don't do that when you're underwater, right? It, I mean, you, not if you want to live. And so I'm under there, and I'm having all these things happen. And of course, I wasn't underwater all that long. But I can tell you that there were so many voices in my head. Now, the primary one that came first of all sounded something like this Panic, you are going to die. You are going to die. You are going to die. That's how it felt. And there were voices like that. There were voices, other voices in the you know, there was a weepy voice. I remember that one. It was like, I I hope Ann knows I love her. I hope my kids know, you know. there, There were all these voices going on in my head. And and then somewhere in the back there was this voice of now remember relax your life vest will pull you to the surface and it's crazy because there were all these voices you know and I'm hearing all these but there was only one voice and I knew it was the voice of truth but it was so hard to hear now fortunately I did eventually listen to that voice and just tried to do my best to relax Popped to the surface, got a big breath, and then it sucked me under one more time. But I did listen to the voice because that voice, of all the voices, was the voice that I needed to hear. You know, I tell a story like that and, you know, people will say, well, hopefully that's like a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience, right? You're not getting pulled into a bubbling, frenzied vortex every day. The truth is, it's not a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience, it's a, it's actually a daily experience. It's a daily experience for me and it's a daily experience for you because both outside and inside your head every day there are a multitude of voices would you agree with that i mean voices coming from every direction internally externally they're all around you and these voices they're very strident often they have much to say and they none of them are without significance in some way and these voices often conflict with each other some are kind some are mean some are wise some are foolish all kinds of different voices. The common denominator in all this is, is that you and I, we are surrounded by countless, countless voices. I mean, you're talking about advertisers, you're talking about entertainers, news people, the, your boss, your employees, the, your family members, your husband, your wife, your kids, the kids at school, your teachers, your, your you know, other students, whatever it is. There's all these voices, and they all have something to say, and they all want to be heard. And it is uh, when you think about it, it is kind of fascinating because because all of us, uh, even though it may not be a conscious thing, all of us have this uh, we have what I would call our preferred means of communication. So if you want your voice to be heard, and of course, if you're speaking, you do you're, you're not just mumbling out into the air if you're talking to someone or at someone or whatever you want them to hear you. If you want your voice to be heard. You may not even be consciously aware of it, but you have some preferred methods of communication. And you think that those will be the voice most likely to be heard. And it varies among different people. For example, some people, they really believe, and again, it may not be a conscious thing, it may be more visceral, but they actually believe that the loudest voice is the most likely to be heard. Now, this is actually fairly common for many of us. The more upset you get, the louder you get anybody know what I'm talking about? The more angry, the more frustrated, your voice gets louder, and your voice gets louder, and your voice gets louder, and then someone looks at you and says, stop yelling at me. I'm not yelling, you answer, and that's how you see it. You think, you don't need, it's not even conscious to you, but you think that the way to be heard is you get louder, you get more aggressive with your voice, you get out there. Now, some people, they that's kind of a preferred method for them, and they do a lot. Some people, actually, they believe that it's the most logical voice that will be heard. Because what other way would there be? If it's logical, which is what I'm saying is, then you need to listen, or you're stupid. And that's kind of how they think. Now, this, this is very common for men to struggle with, okay? Okay. Is that they, you know, their, their wife's talking to them and they're like, okay, well, let's fix this, honey. All we have to do is, and she's like, don't talk to me about that, and and he's looking at her like, but I'm just trying to give you a logical, and that never works well. Any of you husbands know what I'm talking about? It's like I'm just trying to be, you just, th- this makes sense, and you know, the reason probably that many of us men are that way is because when we were kids and we cried about something, our dad looked at us and said, oh, you're going to cry? You want me to give you something to cry about? I'll give you something to cry about. And what he was really saying was stop emoting and start using your head and be logical. And so we went, okay daddy, that's the way it works. And so we carry that on. Some people believe it's the loudest. Some people believe it's the most logical. Some people believe, and again, it's not conscious but they think the most persistent voice. If you're one of those people, you're likely a verbal processor. Unfortunately, I fall in this category often. You're a verbal processor and you want people to hear you so you'd just won't shut up (laughs) anybody know someone like that you win the argument by talking the other person to death has anybody ever been in a conversation with somebody and you're like i got it actually i got it 20 minutes ago stop shut up i don't want to hear him but that is an unconscious thing is that i think The most persistent voice is going to be here. So I'm just going to keep hammering this thing. I'm going to keep pushing this. Some of us think it's the most... Most authoritative voice that's going to get heard. I'm the boss. What's hard to understand about that? You do what I say or you leave. You know, It's like that's the way it is. And on and on it goes. It's maybe the richest voice. i got more money than anybody in this room. You should listen to me because I know what I'm doing. Or the most successful. Have you seen how well I've built my life or business? Or maybe it's the oldest voice. You understand that old people are the wisest. And so we all have these kind of preferred methods that we use. So so what happens is, is that you and I are surrounded by all these voices that want to be heard and that believe that using their method to speak at its most, so it's the loudest or the most persistent or the, or the, or the most aggressive or the, or, or the most logical voice that there is. So they're pushing, they're pushing. All these voices surround us and they're pushing, pushing, pushing. And then in this cacophony of voices that surround every one of us, what we too often fall prey to is because of all the noise, we miss the voices that matter most. We miss the voices of the people we really should be listening to. And then sometimes, and this is heartbreaking, but it happens, is that we miss the voice of God, really, the voice that you should be hearing. Because there's all this noise, and you're not being attentive. You're not being focused on where you want to listen. And so with all this noise, you just don't hear it. And so often, this is an interesting thing, so often the biggest voice, the loudest voice, the most persistent, whatever it is, isn't necessarily the voice of truth. Sometimes it's absolutely the voice that you should not listen to. Sometimes the voice that you need most is that little one way in the back of your head. It speaks very softly. There's an Old Testament story of a prophet named Elijah, who experienced this kind of in spades. So Elijah had gone through some difficult stuff, and he, he was kind of down in the dumps. And actually, he was he was so dark about this whole thing. He basically had said to God, "Just kill me. Just kill me. Everything's." My life sucks, you know. He didn't say that, but that was kind of what it was. You know, he's, a, he's like, just kill me. And he's really depressed. And so the Bible says that he, he ran to the mountain the mountain of the Lord, and he found a cave, and he crawled into the cave. And there, he has this remarkable encounter with God. And I want you to see this. I'm going to put it on the screen. You can read along if you want, but I'll read it out loud. He's in this cave, and the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Now, I underlined all these parts, but I just want you to see them. But the Lord was what? Not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, He pulled his cloak up over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah opened his heart up and began to speak to God about the brokenness and the pain that he was experiencing. And God brought him encouragement. But the remarkable takeaway in this story to me is all the things God's voice was not in. It was not in the loudest. It was not in the biggest, the most dramatic. It was not in all that stuff. It came as a gentle whisper. And it was there, it was there that Elijah actually heard God begin to speak to him. And this is what happens so often, is that the loud and dramatic voices around us so demand our attention that we miss the gentle whisper that we ought to hear. See, what happens when you listen carefully, if you actually choose to do that, is so often you find that the loud voices don't have much meaning, that the dramatic stuff happening around you isn't all that significant, and it's actually actually that whisper that you want to hear because that is the one voice of all the voices around you that you want to hear. You do want to hear the one voice of the one who is all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, and has your very best in mind. And that is the voice of the one who made you, the voice of God. But let's just be clear on this. Just like it was with me in the Colorado River, just like it was with Elijah, there are all these voices around us, all these things that are shouting, that are demanding our attention, that are pushing on us. And if we are not careful, we will miss the voice that matters the most. I think a lot of people, I don't know why this is, but a lot of people actually think that when God speaks, it must have to be dramatic. It must have to be this incredible astounding experience that they have. I've actually had people tell me uh, when, when, you know, we're talking about, I meet them, you know, and they're like, well, I don't believe in God. They hear I'm a pastor or whatever, you know, I don't believe in God. So, okay, you know, and then they tell me why. They said, well, you know what? I asked God to reveal himself to me. I said something simple to him, like, just show me that you're real. Just show me that you're real. I mean, like, right high in the clouds or something, you know, to me, or or, or whatever it is, just do something so that I know that you're real. And he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. So, therefore, I don't believe there's a God because I ask him and he, he, he nothing, nothing, there's no response. And I understand their frustration. I, I, I actually do. I'm not sure that's a good reason to say God doesn't exist. I mean, you maybe never walked through a rice paddy in rural China, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. See, in this series that we're starting this weekend called The Voice, I want to make it clear from the start that we're going to be working off a very simple premise and that premise is, is that God is speaking. Hear me on this now. I'm saying this with as much energy as I know how. God is speaking. It's never a question of, is God speaking or is God not speaking? Does God have something to say to me or does he not? The question is never, is God speaking? The question is, am I really, can anybody tell me? Listening. Am I really Listening. Am I listening? Because God is speaking, and over the ages, those of you who read Scripture, you know this, that those who listen, those who are attentive, they have heard God speak and they've moved in the direction that He's given them. God is speaking. The question is not, is he speaking? the question is I, am I really listening? Am I really listening? And if I were to be brutally honest, I would have to tell you that there are times when I think I'm acting like I'm listening, but I'm not really listening. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I look like I'm listening, but I'm not. See, some of you can't even respond because you look like you're listening to me right now, but you're not. You're gone. I mean, I'm I'm well aware when I preach that about half the people are like, oh, what's for lunch? You know, what are we doing next? You know, this is this is this is the way it is. But let's just be clear on this: God is speaking. But I don't know what it is with me. Some of you have heard me share this story uh, in in the past, but this was many years ago now when my, my eldest daughter, Bethany, was like, I think she was a high schooler, and I was bringing her home from church. I don't know if she'd been at a youth thing or, or if we'd had church in the evening or what it, what it was. I can't remember. But, but it was just her and I in the van, and we're driving. And I don't think we hardly made it out of the parking lot. And she's just talk, 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 talking. You know, she just had all kinds of stuff to say. And I want to hear my daughter. And I started listening. I started that way. But then something happened, and I don't know what it was. But I just kept nodding and smiling, but I was not listening. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so Bethany, who has been able to read me like a book from an early, early age and still can, she starts, she goes, dad, 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 like that. And by the time she got to the third dad, I knew what she was after. I turned around, I'm like, what? I was listening to you. And she goes, yeah, what did I say? Words. (laughs) Words. <laughs> I was totally busted. I had no, I had no idea what she had been saying. I was gone, and I think many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know what this is in me, but I observed this. I, I mean, I'm working on this talk, and in the last couple of weeks, I've seen this happen to me multiple times. I'm sitting across from a table from someone in a coffee shop, or I'm, I'm 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 talking to somebody standing up, and it's like I'm they're talking, and I'm listening, and I'm engaged. But then they say one little thing. That throws me for a little bit of a, a off track. I don't know what it is, but this is what it's like. I keep smiling and nodding. But if you could re- really see what's happening, it's like the real me turns, hails a taxi, gets in, drives away, and I'm gone. But I'm still there. There's a shell still there going, come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Some of you are doing it right now. I like, I'm, I'm connecting with you. No, I'm not. You're gone. You're gone. You're in a taxi somewhere far away. This happens in all of our lives. Now, I could be wrong on this. But I actually think that the single most important key to hearing the small voice, the whisper, the voice that matters, comes down to one thing it's a single key and it's going to sound simplistic but i'm telling you i think this is it i think it is about intentionality i think it's about being intentional as opposed to passivity just being passive because i think and and you can disagree with me on this but i think a lot of us live a great deal of our lives in what i would describe as passive mode now, what I mean by that is, just, just to give you kind of a visual, a mental idea, picture yourself walking out maybe about waist deep into Lake Michigan. Not right now, all right, in the summertime when, it, you know, there's, it's not all ice and stuff. But you walk out, you're about waist deep. It's one of those windy days, beautiful day, sunshine, and, and the waves are maybe two, three feet, something like that. So they're, they're hitting pretty hard. And you walk out into the water, and there you are. And you're going to respond to what's happening now in one of two ways. When those waves come and crash and hit you, they're going to break around you or they're going to knock you in the direction they're going. When you live with intentionality, you stand and when the waves hit you, they break around you. But when you live with passivity, when the waves hit you, they bump you and nudge you in the direction they're going. And then the next wave comes and it bumps you that way and the next wave and the next wave and the next wave. And we spend so much of our lives, this is my critique of us, and maybe I'm wrong on this, I know this is not going to be everybody, but I think this is a ton of us, that we spend a great deal of our times basically being pushed from one kind of thing to the next. We're kind of just, you know, it's, it's like whatever wave, fresh wave comes in, whether it's a cultural thing or whether it's a thing that happens in the family, we're spending our lives sort of like a pinball, bouncing off of everything that we bump into without true intentionality in how we're going to live our lives who we're going to be. Who is it that I want to be? What is it that I want to happen in my life? So you get a nudge. You know, it's like you see somebody looking at their phone. You go, oh, I haven't checked social media in like, oh gosh, 10 minutes. So you pull your phone out, you know, and you're, you're like, you're swapping, you're swiping through Instagram. You're going, that person's stupid. They're so arrogant. I hate that. I don't even know why we look at this stuff. Honestly, I listen to some of you talk while you're looking at it. It's like, you're miserable. But anyhow, you're looking at it and you're looking at it and you're looking at it and you're looking at it, looking at it for 20 minutes, 30 minutes or whatever. And then you go, oh my gosh, I got to go pick up the kids. And then that wave comes in and, watches, and you say, well that's, that's being intentional, I'm going to pick up the kids no, you got pushed into that and then you get in the car and when you get in the car, what's the first thing most people do? They reach up and turn on the radio and then they let those voices wash over them and kind of push them in a direction and push them in a direction and I'm contending, and maybe I'm wrong on this but I'm contending that we actually spend a great deal of our lives living in passive mode instead of with intentionality, instead of saying no, that is not who I want to be. This is not what I want to rule me. We become the pinball in the machine being bounced everywhere because we haven't chosen to stand up and say, no, I'm going to live intentionally. Peter writes about this in his letter, first letter, 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 13. Look at this. It says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. Now, in this case, it's not so much focusing on not being drunk it's really talking about being aware, fully sober, fully alert and aware and, and conscious of what's happening around you. So with, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be, to be brought to you When Jesus Christ is revealed, it is coming. So what Peter's saying is you need to live your life not in passive mode where it's like, well, whatever the next thing is is where I'm gonna go because it's just gonna push me around and I'll just, I'll be be pushed by whatever next wave comes in. No, no, you are alert, you are aware, you are conscious, you are living with a sobriety of mind so that you know where you're going and who it is you wanna be. You're living with intentionality. Why? Why should we do that? Why do we have to do that? Now, let me just say, I don't think it's wrong sometimes to go, I just want to be passive for a little while. I think resting is good and should be done regularly in our lives, but not as a lifestyle. Why should our minds be alert and fully sober? Well, he talks about this, actually, later in the same letter, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He uses the same words again. He says, be alert and of sober mind. Be alert and aware. Why? Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, some of you are going to disagree with this because you're not sure you even believe in God, let alone a devil. But hear me, Christ followers believe what Jesus believed, and Jesus believed there was a spiritual enemy. And he is, Jesus said, the one who comes to steal and kill and destroy. And I actually think that one of the most dominant voices that never seems to get credit in our lives comes from the enemy. And we are unaware of it. We are not cognizant of that voice that comes in and moves us and pushes us around because we are living in passive mode. So Peter says to deal with that, you need to be what? Alert and of sober mind. Aware. You need to be aware. You need to be thinking. You need to be intentional about how you live your life. One of the voices that I think many times we just completely miss is this is this voice of the enemy that comes in and speaks quietly. And so it's like, oh, oh, well, I'll do that then, and then we are push to the next thing, and on and on it goes. So, so I just want to stop for a moment, all right? Because I think if we're going to talk about hearing from God, and that's what this series is about, it has to start with our lifestyle. So I'm just going to ask you, do you think you live with intentionality? or with passivity? Don't be too quick to answer that question. Do you think that your life is often just being pushed by the ebb and flow and the tide of culture and events and life that's happening around you? Or would you say you are a person that lives with great intentionality? You know where it is that you should be going. You know who it is that you want to be and you are headed in that direction. When the waves hit you, do they push you or do they break around you? And I think it's a great question to ask ourselves. Because I think if we were gut level, brutally honest, lots of us would have to say, including me, too often I'm living passively. I'm just reacting to things as they come my way. Instead of saying, here is where I'm going. This is who I want to be. This is what I'm going to do. See, if there's no intentionality in our lives, if you want to hear the voice of God, you need to understand God's not going to pester you. He's not going to whine. He's not going to cajole. He's not going to come at you like, I am going to make you hear me. He's not going to use the loudest or the most persistent voice. He's not going to pull the authoritative thing and say, you have to. He is going to speak. But you You have been given by the love of God the choice on whether you will listen for him with intentionality or whether you will live with passivity and just allow your life to be bounced around from one thing to the next. And if you want to actually hear from God, he is speaking. But he gives you the choice. Will you listen to me? I mean, never doubt that God's speaking. One of my favorite Old Testament verses found in Jeremiah 33 verse 3. God says, call to me and I will what? I'll answer you. I'll answer you. And I'll tell you great and unsearchable things you don't know. You, you and I, we need to hear from God. We, we do. We need to hear from God. And he says, if you call on me, I will answer you. But understand that there's no supposition here that says, if I answer you, you will hear me. See, there's the problem. It's not that he's not answering. It's that we're not living with intentionality to actually hear what he has to say. We are just being passive. And so the small whisper of God, the voice of God in our lives, gets lost. Be clear on this. God's never going to force you to listen. One of my favorite New Testament verses is a place in in Revelation chapter 3 where Jesus is speaking. And this is what he says, so powerful. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Notice what it doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, hey, 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 I'm coming your way and I'm going to kick your stinking door in and make sure you hear what I have to say. No, no. He says, I'm standing here. I'm here. You hear me? Are you listening? This is an interesting thing is that our primary job is not to become great theologians or be super, super cool spiritual people and all this, you know, memorize every verse in the Bible. Our primary job is to open the door. Just to be intentional because he's speaking. But we're missing him because we are not actually not listening to him. Your primary job is to open the door, to live with a certain kind of intentionality that opens you up so that you actually hear God when he is speaking. If you want to hear from God, you absolutely have to be intentional. And, and, and this is going to sound a little negative, but just take it for what it's worth. Maybe this is just me ranting or whining or whatever. But you know, honestly, I hear people all the time talk about the latest diet they're on. I mean, all the time. Well, I'm not eating meat. I'm not eating grains. I'm not eating sweets. You know, I'm not eating this. I'm not eating that because I'm on this new d- 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 cool diet. Sometimes I wonder. I look at people. I think, What are you eating? Bark? You know, is there, is there anything you can eat? But they're, they're, they, they want to do it because they want to physically improve themselves. So they're on this new diet, and they're not going to eat any carbs, or they're only going to eat, you know, whatever, and all this stuff. And, and they talk about it. And then people are talking about, oh, yeah, I'm on this new regimen. I'm doing this new thing. I'm doing, you know, this new kind of exercise program or whatever. And, and they're working really hard. And I hear people, I kid you not, I, and I think you know what I'm saying. People talk about it all the time. It's like an ongoing conversation with people. The latest diet they're on, the latest exercise program they're on. I hear that, and I say, To all that, awesome, good. What breaks my heart is, is that I almost never hear someone talk about how they're setting their life up in order to better hear the voice, the most important voice in the multiverse, the most important voice you will ever hear. I don't hear people talking about how they're trying to make themselves better so that they can hear from God, so that they can make a deep connection. And to me, that's a little heartbreaking. Somebody said afterwards, well, you rake down the people, you know, <laughs> that are dieting and exercising. No, I say go for it. I'll eat the stuff you're not eating. I'm all in, all right? <laughs> just kidding. Kind of. I'm not trying to convict you of anything. I'm just saying, don't you find it fascinating that we're so focused on making our bodies look good and, and feel good and be healthy, and we forget... That the most important voice that you will ever hear in your existence goes continually unheeded, unheard. Because we're not being intentional about listening. I think you probably realize that so many of the things that you struggle with in your life, stress and anger and depression, and, and this stuff is about perspective. Do you know why it's so important that we hear from God? It is about perspective. You see, I cannot tell you, I, okay, some of you won't relate to me uh, or, or won't be able to relate to me because you're like a level person. You just like, you just go through life and you're level, kind of easygoing and level. I don't understand people like you at all, all right? You're, you're, you're totally weird. But I am not a totally level person. You know what I am? I am a peaks and valleys person. Anybody in here like me? See, some of you can't even lift your hand because you're in a valley right now. You're like, yeah. But I can't. It's just a, I'm like either high or I'm low. And I get into these low spots sometimes. Sometimes it's just something happens in my life. Something kind of cruddy happens, and it's like I feel overwhelmed by it. And I just get so discouraged. I feel like I can relate to Elijah. It's like, God, just kill me. You know, I, I just want to, I'm done. Everything's just going to pot. It's all horrible. And I get discouraged. I cannot tell you how many times in those low places, in those valleys in my life, that someone speaks into my life. Often it's my wife, Ann. Or maybe it's a family member, or maybe it's a friend. And they speak some words of encouragement, sometimes words of challenge. And I hear those words, and they drop down in. And I cannot tell you how many times this has happened. It's like where I didn't have hope, now I have a sense of hope. And it's like my perspective changed because I heard that voice which brought encouragement and words of, of, of challenge and provocation. I, I now feel, I look, the problem has not changed. The horizon looks the same exact way it did before. But I have changed because my perspective has changed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and it, just, it just changes everything. You see it all. I think you know this. Perspective is, is huge. You know, you can, one person can look at it, another person can look at it, they see completely different things. It's Perspective. So uh, my wife, Ann, this is two, three, four weeks ago at the most. Uh, she was with our granddaughter, Florence, who's four years old. And uh, I was unfortunately not there that, uh, at that time uh, to hear this, but Ann was telling about it. It was just such a great story. So Florence is like a lot of four-year-olds. You know, they, they start, as children grow, they, they hear principles or ideas that they don't understand. And so often they'll try to talk it out. They'll try to. So she was. She started talking to Anne about death, and she was talking about dying. And then she looked at Anne and she said, "Grandma, I'm going to die before you." And Anne, you know, Anne's never one to, to you know, uh, mince words in terms of lie about something. She said, "Oh, honey," she said, "That's very unlikely. It's very unlikely that you will die before me. Grandma will probably, almost certainly, die before you." And then she, she felt like th- that, that kind of troubled her. So she, she leaned forward. She was just trying to love her. And she looked at her and she said, but Florence, you need to know this. Grandma is going to love you for a long time. And she will be very old before she dies. And Florence reached up and touched her face and said, but you're already very old. <laughs> It's all about perspective, would you agree? When you're four years old, 65 is like you're a skeleton in the casket, baby. You're you're dead to me. It's all about perspective. And when this is so I mean, if you can see this, this is so powerful. When you get God's perspective because you've heard his voice, holy mackerel does that change things. You look at life from a completely different standpoint. Instead of seeing everything and just, like, it looks dark and it looks miserable. No, you see, you hear God's voice. It's, it is amazing. Prophet Elijah, you know, he, he Elisha, he, he had this uh, quite, really quite a remarkable experience. There's this Old Testament character named Gehazi who was like a valet or a servant of Elisha. And, and so at one point, Elisha is being uh, sought by a king who wants to kill him. And this king tries to find him in different ways, and he's frustrated he can't find. And then he finds out he's in a city. And so the king sends his army to kill Elisha. So a whole army comes to kill one guy, Elisha, the prophet, because he so hates this guy. And so Gehazi, his valet or his servant, he gets up, looks out of the wall in the morning, and he sees the army all around him, and he's like, ah! So let's pick it up here, because this is so great. So it says, when the servant, that's Gehazi... Uh, of the man of God. That's Elisha. When he got up and he went out early the next morning, I don't know if he's getting donuts or whatever, but he goes out and it says, he sees an army of horses and chariots has surrounded the city. I love his response. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? He says, he's like scared to death. And then Elisha, the prophet, answers and says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I always have loved Uh, What I heard one preacher say, it's like, you know, Gehazi standing on the wall looking at Elisha, and he says, those who are with us are more than those who are with him. And he looks out, and he he starts counting 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 troops coming to destroy you. And then he looks at Elisha and goes, one, two. (laughs) It's like, we're screwed. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of where he's at. And I think Elisha saw that on his face, so look at how it goes. So then Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When he looked with spiritual eyes, when he made the God connection, heard from God, it changed. He realized that those who are for us are more than those who are against us. And it changes how you do life. It changes how you see life. Because you start to look at when you make the God connection, when you hear from God, when he speaks and you hear him, oh my gosh. You start seeing things from the 30,000 foot view. You, you st- what looks like a mountain in front of you from that angle seems like a hill. And you're like, you can get over that. That is not as big a deal as it looks to you right now. So many things. You look at life. If you weren't here last weekend, I would challenge you to listen to that podcast or watch it online. We, we, we talked about you know death and, and, and eternity. And, and the people who are followers of Christ, they are always keeping their eye on the bigger picture that my life right now is a dot, in the line of eternity, and there is more. And therefore, my life will not be ruled by this moment. I will see a bigger picture. I will see that there's more in my life. There's more to life. You see things more deeply. You, you hear from God. You know, I think so often, many of us, we just kind of, we're, we're rushing through our lives, often because we're living passively, and so our reaction is to rush to the next thing because we're pushed that way. And we bump past people and kind of push them out of our way and often, this doesn't always happen, but often I think if we were listening for God, he would open our eyes to see that there's great heartbreak in that person. There's great loneliness or great pain and that we have something to offer. I have no idea how many people I've rushed past that God was probably speaking to me, but I wasn't listening. Jeff, hold back and listen to them. But when when I hear God's voice, I see higher and longer and deeper. I see more possibilities. Big issue is are we listening to that voice, to the one who sees all and knows what's right and best? Or are we missing what could be? I'm telling you, God, you take it for what it's worth, you don't have to believe me. But God is speaking. Are you intentionally listening? So, you know, this series is going to be five weeks long. We're going to talk about how we hear from God different ways and all that. But it starts by making the decision to be intentional. And, and so over the coming weeks and, and through this season of Lent, we're actually going to, each of our services, take just a little bit of time and say, now listen for God. We're doing this at all our campuses this weekend. We actually have time. We're going to worship together a little bit, sing a couple songs together. And we're going to invite you just to listen for God. You can sing if you want when they sing, or you can just be quiet. You can do whatever you want. But this is my challenge. Listen. Be intentional. And we're going to do this over the this six-week period. If you hear God speak to you, and you can put it in a sentence or two or three words, we'd love to hear what it is. So actually we're going to put up a number on the screen and you will see that there. And if you just text that number, maybe what you heard God speak. Last night during our worship time, it was clear to me, God spoke only by my power. Those were the words, only by my power. I realized some of the things that I hope and long for God was saying, "Mm -mm, you can't make it happen, it's only by my power. What's God saying to you? So the band will play a little bit softly. We'll listen and then we'll have some songs. God, now, in this time, we want to hear from you. We intentionally choose to listen in Jesus' name.